Today on Sports Card Investor, the five steps you need to take to submit cards for grading. And I brought in an expert to give us the inside scoop. investors and welcome to a very special episode. We are going to get you ready with everything you need to know about how to prep your cards for PSA grading and then how to submit them. In fact, this is going to be a two-part series where we're going to dive in deep and get you ready to do this. And I have brought in a true grading expert to help give us the inside scoop today, Joe Davis from GotBaseballCards.com. Welcome, Joe. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to be with you. Looking forward to helping out all of your customers. Absolutely. Joe's shop here in Atlanta submits thousands and thousands of cards for grading to PSA every single month. So it is great to have him on the show. We're going to get a lot of great expertise today. There are two ways that you can submit cards to PSA for grading. The first is that you can go direct to PSA. You can find out information about that on their website. The second is that you can go through a bulk submission service. And I'm very pleased to announce that Joe and I have partnered together to bring you the Sports Card Investor Bulk Submission Service for PSA Grading. And through our partnership, you can often get better pricing, better turnaround, and a higher level of service than you can get by going through PSA Direct. So if you are considering submitting to PSA for grading, consider submitting through our bulk submission service to find out all about it and to register your cards. All you have to do is go to sportscardinvestor.com and click on grading in the main menu bar. But regardless of whether you use our bulk submission service or whether you're going direct to PSA, this episode is for you because today we're going to tell you the five things you need to know and do to get your cards ready for grading. Let's go ahead and get started. All right, Joe. So the first question everybody has when they're wanting to submit cards to grading is, is what cards do you choose to get graded? When, when are you actually going to get value for getting a card graded? So if someone's got a pile of cards and they're trying to figure out what's worth grading, what's not worth grading, how do they go about making that decision? Well, usually the first thing we recommend is taking their cards, going to like eBay completed, using market movers, you know, some, some frame of reference to look up graded values. You know, if they've got a Griffey Donruss rookie or they've got a Griffey Upper Deck rookie, uh, first of all, before we can even gauge, you know, what the condition is, is if the card is mint or gem mint, is it going to be worth putting the, the investment of the grading into it or not? So we always recommend, you know, what is this card trading at right now in an 8 or a 9 or a 10? And then they can make a determination, you know, this is worth putting the money into to grade it. Now, that being said, we have some customers who send us their personal collection and sometimes we go, you know, why are they grading this card? But it's the childhood card or it's their favorite players. And they just want to grade every card of, you know, Don Sutton or whoever their favorite might have been. And so it's not always just about the resale value. Sometimes it's, they just want it evaluated on condition. Is it worth it? You know, they, they want to have all eights or better in their collection regardless of the value. But if you're just talking investment, resale, you know, see what the market is on that card in different conditions, then make that determination. And is there maybe a rule of thumb there? I'll tell you personally, I'll often look to see if the card in PSA 10 is selling for at least $100 or more. If it's selling for under $100 in a PSA 10, 
Personally, I will often choose not to submit it for grading and just to just to sell it raw if I'm going to sell the card. But is that a good rule of thumb, or, or what do you advise? Our rule of thumb is about half that. Oh, okay. Be because we, my son and I, buy a lot of modern rookies, prospect on a lot of young guys, and we'll say, you know, if this is a fifty dollar ten, and we're buying them for four or five dollars a card, you know, there's some margin there, and so. And we think, you know, this guy could continue to go up over time. So that's, that's our rule of thumb. We're like, if you can get 50 bucks out of a 10 and you're buying the card for under $10, sure. then there's, you can still make, you know, you can make a good return on that. Sure, that's a fair point. So I guess some of it depends on that spread between yeah. the raw price and the graded price. Because right. as you said, $50 for a 10 is a good return if you're buying those cards for four or five bucks. Whereas if, you're, if, you're, if the card's raw or 20 bucks, you obviously want to see a little exactly. bit more of a multiplier there. Okay, very, very good. Any other factors that people need to look at? Obviously condition, which we're gonna talk about in a minute and let people assess condition. But other than the, the value or whether it's personal collection worthy for themselves, anything else a person might wanna consider? Well, be careful of what's trending in the moment because you've gotta keep in mind that you're gonna be waiting. If you're paying for you know, the modern service or the ultra modern, the slower services, you're gonna be waiting a while to get them back. So just because a guy hit a home run in the World Series and he, you know, he got a lot, of, a lot of status that day doesn't mean six months later he's still going to be hot. So you've got to think long term, is this going to be worth putting the money into six months from now, not just in the next month? Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Now, conversely, I guess the same holds true as well, that if a player is maybe not as well known today, his cards are not very valued today, but you think he has the opportunity Correct. a year or two years from now to see his cards lift, then you would like perhaps to get them graded today so that when he becomes hot, yeah. you're maybe one of not that many who have graded cards of that player already and are able to put them into the marketplace. Yeah, I mean, Michael Porter Jr. is a good example from last year. We had people grading him not based upon what he was doing at the time, but what they expected him to be doing this season as he got more play in time, you know. So yeah, so, some of it's forecasting what's, where's that player's gonna be in the future. Absolutely, and I wanna give everybody a great recommendation to look up those values to determine what the cards are worth. There's a great free way to do it, and that is to use our Sports Card Investor app. In fact, it's the easiest way to look up the values of your cards in PSA 10 condition, PSA 9 condition, as well as in raw condition, so you know what that spread is. You can get the Sports Card Investor app by going to the App Store on your phone and searching Sports Card Investor. It's totally free. All right, let's move on to talk about assessing the condition of cards because I know that has such a big impact on value. So PSA is gonna look at your cards based on four factors. And those four factors are gonna determine the grades. And of course, you wanna get as good of a grade as possible because the PSA 10 is always gonna sell for a big multiplier over what a PSA 9 would sell for, and that will sell for a multiplier over what a lesser grade will sell for. So what are those factors, Joe, that matter when it comes to grading? And more importantly, how can somebody who's going through their cards tell if their card has all four of those really important factors and has the potential of getting a PSA 10 grade? Well, uh, first of all, I would start off with centering. Whenever I'm evaluating cards to purchase or to grade out of my own collection, the first thing I look at is centering. And that was one of the hardest lessons for me to learn. We started submitting to cards to P PSA back in 1998. And I remember my very first batch, I'd bought a large stack of Tony Gwynn rookies. And I was like, what is 8OC? What is that? You know, I had no clue that, you know, the centering was so critical. But when you start getting a lot of off-center grades back, you learn it very quickly because it becomes very painful financially. 
So I brought a couple of examples. Uh, just to, I'll start with the most extreme, which is I've got a, a 72 Tops Hank Aaron in action, which is completely. Oh yeah, you can tell. I mean, there's no doubt the centering on that card is off, right? Yeah. And so we often, you know, this card is almost miscut. It's so far off, but it's blatantly off center left to right. The centering, we measure things in, you know, numbers and, and customers often ask, what's the centering on that? This is about 99.1. Right. Because you've got, and, and what I say by that is you have about, if you, if you added up the left-hand border and the right-hand border, and that equals 100%, what percent of it is on each side? And then you do the same thing with the top border and the bottom border. So this one is blatantly off-center, uh, would not grade well because of that. Uh, they get more subtle. Um, this card's been trending lately, the uh, David Robinson rookie, uh, 89 hoops. This one is more like 70-30. Uh, you know, you've got a little bit of border on the other side. But still off-center enough where that has no chance of a PSA 10. Absolutely yeah, not. yeah. 75 Nolan Ryan, yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah, this one's like 90-10, yeah. you know, again. Um, and then brought an example of a graded card from my collection, Abraham Lincoln, 72 tops, which is an 80C, beautiful corners and edges, but too much border on the top. And so, and that's an interesting point because a lot of people, when they're looking at centering, they look at the left and they look at the right, and that's important. Yeah. But also important is the top and the bottom as well. Exactly. And sometimes you can end up with a car that's actually well centered left and right, but not centered top. And I saw that especially with a lot of the older cards, like right. when you're talking about 80s cards and 70s cards, you see that a lot where it shifted up or down on the card. Yep. Uh, so I, I brought a perfectly centered Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Look at that. This is a 57 Barrett uh, Mickey Mouse 9 yep. with near perfect. It's a mini card yep. with near perfect borders all the way around, perfect yep. centering. Yep, you can tell the centering on that for sure. So that's the very first thing. Right. So. And PSA allows you a little bit of variance. It doesn't have to be dead 50-50 to get a 10. Correct. They give you a little bit of, of leeway on either side, but, but not a lot. Right, yeah. I mean, typically, if, you've, if, you've, if it's 55-45, you've got a shot. I mean, I've seen 10s that, were, that I thought were 60-40, but it's, it's rare. It's rare. Usually, they've got to be, the, to the visual eye, it needs to feel. I, mean, I say I use the feel test, like, you know, this feels pretty much spot on you know, to have a shot. And so yeah. that's that's the first thing I start with. When we pre-screen cards for customers and they're saying, hey, we're really shooting for nines and tens, that's the very first thing because uh, the Prism is a perfect example. Um, Prism, the last couple of years, there's been so much off-centering. And you often, right off the bat, as we go through a customer's order, we're like, nope, nope, nope. And we don't even have to look at the corners and edges because yeah. we know right away the centering's too far off yeah. to get a high grade. Okay, but it's not just centering, it's nope. also corners. I know that's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yep, brought a couple of examples for you here. This is a, a 74 Nolan Ryan, classic Ryan card. Uh, but what do you see immediately? Yeah, a corner in the upper left there is, is definitely uh, kind of chipped back. Yep. So uh, these we often, now that's a pretty blatant example. Yeah, sure. Um, we often use, uh, we sell these magnifiers and we, we recommend it's a 10 power loop. Other cards you need to blow up more. So we will put the card literally right up against the corner and look at it. And like the top right corner looks pretty good to the naked eye. You put it under here, you can see there's also a lot of fuzz on it. So, you know, their PSA is not doing this just naked eye. They're, they're using professional equipment to examine the cards. And so, so you want to check out all four corners especially on vintage, like on a white border, a white card like that with a white border, it, it helped, magnification helps tremendously. You know, now if you've got a 71 tops card, 
you know, with the black borders, it pops much more, it's much more noticeable to the naked eye. Um, here, here's an example of a, a 93 Jeter. Car that's been trending, very oh, popular. You know, and from, from me to you, it looks pretty good. Yeah, from here it looks good. And I was actually gonna grade this card okay. this week. And then I looked at it closer, and as you can see, top right corner, Oh yeah, it's it's a little yeah it's it's a little pushed back in the top right corner. I see what you're saying there. Yeah, for sure. And so a card to the naked eye that looks pretty good, uh, when you look at it closer and certainly under magnification, this would probably grade a six. Wow, that that much of a difference just because that one because, corner because, is dinged. Because it's a serious bump on yeah. that. It's not just a touch. It's yeah. it's it's almost like a minor fold yeah. on that corner. So you have to, and as I tell people, is there is such tiny variants when you get to seven, eight, nine, ten, the smallest of factors can change that grade. And so because we get customers all the time calling us like, oh, all my cards are gem mint. They're all gem mint. You know, and then we're like, you know, there's a lot of factors you may not be you know, thinking about. So, uh, you know, corners are it's a huge deal, huge deal. You have to pay attention to every one of those. And then talk to me about edges and, and yep. the, the, you know, the edges around the card. I know that, that plays in as well. Yes, it does. So normally that's kind of the order. I start with centering, then, then corners. That's the next most obvious thing. The edges, sometimes it takes a little more uh, attention and detail to. Uh, I brought, here's a, a 86 Barry Bonds, uh, another very hot car. We just sold one today for nearly $800 for a 10. Uh, this one looks pretty clean. Centering's a little bit off. But if you check out the top edge, Oh yeah, you can tell there's a little bit of, of kind of you know edge wear there. It's not it's not a clean edge across the top. And you have to be very aware of that on black border cards, which you know the, the bottom bottom border of course is white, top border is, is black. So the white I call this chipping, you know white chipping on the very top, and uh, you have to be aware of that because you basically got a seven or an eight in your hand here, even though the rest of the card is pretty clean, but the uh, top border is chippy. And then also I brought a, a 92 Derek Jeter Classic, uh, which unfortunately I have a stack of these and they all have the very same issue, which you can probably catch pretty quickly there. Yeah. Uh, not, a, not a black board. Yeah, but right across the top, again, once again, you see that that's not a clean edge. The edge looks a little slightly frayed. You see a little bit of white through that edge across the top. Yeah. So, you know, you go, you go from corners, uh, excuse me, centering, corners, edges, every one of them is critically important. And then you get down to probably the toughest to catch sometimes, which of course is surface. And this is the surface issues is what has caught me on grades before, where I've submitted cards that I was like, oh, this card is perfect. This card's gonna be a 10 and it comes back as an eight. And I'm like, what the heck happened? And I'll look at it, you know, real closely in the case and, and turn it around under light. And then all of a sudden I'll see a small defect on the surface, a little print line or a little, some type of little scratch on the surface. Yep. Um, particularly with the modern chrome cards, your prisms, those types of cards, it can happen a lot. And it's, it's often hard to tell unless you're really looking at it closely. Right. Yeah, I'll start with a vintage example here. This is a 62 top strikeout leaders with Kofax. Again, naked eye looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. Looks good from here. Oh yeah. Yeah, I can see there's some there's some marking there. Yeah, there's some kind of residue yeah, almost. Right you can actually there. feel yeah. it on the surface. It's like Oh yeah, you sure can, yeah. There's just a tiny bit of it's yeah. almost clear residue, but it's right. there's something there on the card. So yeah. so you know, this with that noticeable you've probably got a five at best. Wow. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> can knock it down real quickly. That's yeah. why it's important to look at all of these factors. Yep. Um, 
Also got a, I was actually going to grade this one here in Atlanta. We love Chipper Jones. Got a 91 Tops Chipper and very bottom. You can see just the tiniest little stain in the bottom border there. Yeah. Yep. It's got, yep. A little bit of, a little bit of a stain. Yeah. Yep. So again, you know, you've got a, probably a seven here just with that little stain. So, and as you were talking about what we see the most of nowadays with service issues are modern day prism cards. Prism, chrome, so forth. That's one of the things because prism and chrome cards right out of the pack, Phoenix cards, you know, optic cards, usually your corners are going to be sharp, your edges are going to be great, your centering can vary certainly, but surface is often an issue even right out of the pack. Yeah. This is a 2012 prism shack that I actually uh, was prepared to send today and then I looked at it closer and you can see in the top right there. Oh, there's a little small, there's a little small scratch it looks like. Yeah. yeah, you only catch it if you look at it in certain light. And the bottom line is you can't really expect a mint, even a nine mint grade on a card. It's not mint. Mm -hmm. There's a surface issue. It's minimal, you know, and, and I've had customers come in you know, and I'll point stuff out and they're like, Seriously, they're going to downgrade for that? I'm like, seriously, they will. You know, so uh, even the smallest thing like that. So that's one thing I always encourage customers before they, before they send us their prism and their chromes and their fineness, any of that stuff, you know, take a look at the surface really closely because your edges are probably fine, your corners are probably fine. If your centering is spot on, that's the one thing that will get you. All right, so now you know to look for those, all those factors, corners, edges, centering, and surface. Let's say you've done that and you found some cards that look perfect in all ways. Let's talk about what's next. So if you've identified cards that you think pass all the criteria to get a gem mint grade, not so fast. Because something as small as a fingerprint that you put on that card while getting it ready to send off for grading can cost you a gem mint grade. Joe, talk to me about cleaning cards and what people might want to do before sending their cards in. Yeah, we always recommend that customers, we're mainly of course talking about modern day prism, chrome, finest, and so forth. So we always recommend customers take a close look at the surface. Uh, we recommend using like a microfiber cloth uh, and then check the card closely because they can easily, this is not altering the card in any way. It's simply, you know, getting a fingerprint off the top. So, you know, they want to rub the card carefully and not add another fingerprint in the process and make sure it's clean, hold the edges. Yeah, don't touch the surface of the card no. again once no. you've cleaned it. Kind of defeated the purpose yeah. there. Slide it back in a, in a soft sleeve and then a semi-rigid and send it in. So these are, you know, cheap. Highly recommend everyone. We, we don't clean in any way. We don't alter a card in any way. Uh, we always tell customers, you know, prepare your card. We pre-screen them. You know, we check the surface, we check the, the corners, edges, but uh, there's a liability issue there. If I tell people, oh yeah, I'm gonna do things to your card. You know, so we absolutely do not do that. We pre-screen it, uh, but we do recommend to customers if they've got any chrome stock cards to check them real closely and use a microfiber cloth to clean it because yeah, I've had cards come back for customers, you know, and um, this is in past time as we learned this process and they'd go, oh man, my fingerprints on there. <laughs> yep. I've got, I have a Derek Jeter SP foil rookie card that visible within the PSA case is a fingerprint on the card. And so what would it might've graded higher? It probably would have graded higher. It may be a card now that has to be cracked out and wiped and 
resubmitted because that type of thing can inadvertently cost you a grade. What type of cloth, Joe? That's just a, it almost looks like the type of cloth you'd use to maybe clean sunglasses. Is that right? right? Yeah, it's just, just a small microfiber. These actually come, this particular one I have here, comes with our magnifiers. Okay. And because it's used to clean glass surface, and so, but it also will clean chrome well. Uh, and so, you know, don't have to spend, don't, don't have to break the budget on it. Just uh, something uh, small, handy, you know, get a few of them, you know, and uh, wipe those cards down. So, so that the surface is nice and clean. Awesome. So. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. And you sell those magnifiers, and I guess those cloths come with it on gotbaseballcards.com, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll have to put a link to that also on our Sports Card Investor site. In fact, we'll get that up. If you go to sportscardinvestor.com to our grading page, we'll make sure to link to the magnifiers from there as well. Okay, so we've got our cards cleaned. We're ready to go, we think. But now let's talk about the next step in the process. So whether you're submitting your cards direct to PSA or going through a bulk submission service like ours here at Sports Card Investor, you've got to create a list of the cards you're going to submit. This is a requirement of the process and it has to be a detailed list. So Joe, tell us about this process of creating this list. Well, we've made it really easy for all of your users. Uh, they can download the form right on sportscardinvestor.com. They can download the, uh, the simple Excel sheet uh, they can fill out the information, upload it right there. As soon as they upload that, we capture all that information. So before the cards ever come into us, we already know they're on the way. We know what to expect. We have a um, online version of the form we can use to check in their order. And so we basically ask for, you know, we have columns for quantity, brand, year, card number, player, serial number, estimated value. Uh, and then what service level they're choosing. Because we have some customers that, you know, they may only be grading a $5 card, but they want it back really fast. So we have to know that because, you know, we don't want to make assumptions as to what level they want. Joe, let's also talk about the value of the cards. Sure. Because you said that's something you have to put on the spreadsheet is the value. And that also affects what price you're going to pay for grading. Um, you know, I mentioned that the Sports Card Investor app is a great way for people to look up the value of a lot of different types of cards. Obviously, market movers are as well for people who have a larger collection and are doing it more seriously from an investing standpoint. Are they taking the raw value of the card? Is that what they're doing when they're putting it on the spreadsheet? Yeah, that's got to be one of the most confusing parts of this process is we submit the cards to PSA based upon the raw card value. However, depending on what the card grades, Let's say you've got a card and raw card value is $75. So you can send it on the basic service, but then it grades a 10 and so now it's worth $300. Uh, there's a good chance that PSA will upcharge us and therefore we have to upcharge the customer for the next tier. Sometimes, I guess the best example is I had a customer earlier this year or last year send in a Jordan rookie, first time submitter. It was a Jordan he'd had forever. And I had to call him you know, after he got a nine. And I was like, you owe me $575 grading. He was like, do what? He was like, you know, the, no, no, no. It's supposed to be like $250. i am like, no, it's a nine. It, I was like, and so, I, I, and he was like, well, you know, it shouldn't be more. And I was like, I'm sorry, that's the way it works. Yeah. It's basically, yeah. we call it value-based pricing yeah. that, you know, and that's common in other industries. Yeah. CGC does in the comic industry. And so, uh, submitters need to be aware of that. Yeah. So we, we try to save them as much money as possible, send it on the cheapest level that we can, 
However, there is a chance for those upcharges. Now, PSA typically only does that from what I've seen if it's fairly blatant, though, right? They, they, t they, won't, they won't often, like, kind of micro look at, like, every single card. It's a little bit above the level. Correct. If it's, like, in the case of, like, a Jordan rookie where yeah. the grade really catapulted the value of the card, yeah. it's cases that are a little more obvious where that might happen. Right. And, and there's, a, there's a lot of invoices we get back where we're like, oh, you know, this, th they could have upcharged here, yeah. but they didn't. Uh, when it when you know it's it's a hundred fifty dollar card and it was sent on the under hundred dollar yeah. service, you know so so they don't need to feel like every single time it's going to be bumped. Yeah. But it does happen and it is at their discretion. Th this is by the way one of my least favorite parts about how PSA does their pricing. I, I don't I don't like this. I don't I don't condone this. We are of course big fans and supporters of PSA in general because we love the grading service and obviously Joe's a you know huge PSA dealer and the bulk submission service is working out great. I wish they would change this practice. Maybe they will with some of the new leadership coming in, who knows. But as a someone submitting your cards for grading, it is something to watch out for. The good news is that the only time you would get upcharged like that is if you got a really good grade that is causing your card to multiply in value potentially many times over. So the pain of, you know, for example, the person having to pay a couple hundred more dollars for their Jordan rookie to get graded. Hey buddy, you just got a Jordan 9. That card is currently worth $100,000 probably at the, you know, or around then, depending on when you're watching this video, right? Oh yeah. So yeah, I think he's the only one who's ever complained about being upcharged because everyone, I've actually had customers even say, boy, I hope I owe you a lot of money. <laughs> That's uh, right. Because they are, they're, they're hoping for some upcharges. That means they got a lot of high grades. Yeah, great. So you got your spreadsheet filled out. You sent it back to Joe or you sent it off to PSA. The final step then, I guess, is to get your cards in the sleeves and get them packaged up and ready to go. So let's talk about that next. So it is time to send your cards in to get them graded. But first, you got to get them sleeved. You got to get them packaged. Joe, take us through this process. All right, yeah, here's where we run into issues when we receive them. So love to educate viewers on this process. We highly recommend, first of all, using card savers. This is what PSA asks us to send them in. So you might as well start with that. Less handling of the cards. And that's not a normal rigid top loader. That's a kind of a semi-rigid. These are specialty products called card savers. You got to buy yourself a pack of those on Amazon or we eBay or you can you can buy them direct through Joe here at Got Baseball Cards. Yeah, um, the the uh, graders prefer not to receive them in top loads. Mm -hmm. We prefer not to see not to receive them in top loads, but when we do, we, we receive them for customers. But we prefer to receive everything in card savers. Um, also, here, here's our recommendation. If you're sending vintage, you know, if you're sending 50s, 60s, you can put the card right in the card saver. If you're sending uh, modern day chrome and prism, we highly recommend using a soft sleeve first. Put it in a penny sleeve. And we also recommend not just a standard penny sleeve, but an oversized penny sleeve. Interesting. The thick, so the thick sleeve yeah. penny sleeves. Yeah, here's Interesting. an example of the new Beckett Shield brand that we sell. There's a 130 point thicker, okay. wider penny sleeve. It is so much easier to get the card in and out. You can literally damage a card while you're sleeving yeah. it if you're not careful. So these are just a little bit wider. We go through thousands of these. Okay. You, you, you drop them in the penny sleeve, then put it in your semi-rigid. Uh, then once you've got them all packed in the order, hopefully, in the order of what they've been written up in on the submission form, uh, then we usually recommend using like a uh, you know, small box. You want it tight so the cards aren't gonna shift in shipping. Um, we usually recommend a small box 
inside a larger box. I mean, the post office, you, get, you can get free priority mailboxes from the post office. Um, we, we, you know, we sell cardboard boxes of you know, something you have around the house will probably work, but we pack them tightly so they don't shift, put some peanuts or, or bubble wrap around that inner box, and then use like a, a large priority mailbox. We highly recommend um, shipping, depending on the value you're shipping out, we recommend adding insurance. We certainly recommend adding signature required. We receive dozens and dozens of packages a day, uh, and we like the customer to have the assurance. It's well worth you know, $5 or whatever the cost is right now to have proof of delivery you know, so that they have assurance that it got here, or if they're shipping directly to PSA, so that they have proof that it's gotten there. So we highly recommend adding that one more step um, because you know, we've had customers uh, send us stuff with no signature, no insurance, and then it floated around the postal system for a few days and then they're in a panic because yeah. they had no coverage. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. And of course, when you, when you uh, submit through our bulk submission service at Sports Card Investor, uh, you're actually shipping the cards directly to Joe's card shop here in Atlanta. Joe's got a large card shop and he's got a team here every single day to receive the cards, immediately put them into their evaluation and grading queue and then to send them, and then to send them off to PSA. Yeah, we've got a very uh, precise system, as many as we've been doing. We, we sometimes are processing, I think New Year's Eve, we actually said we did 2,200 cards that day, wrote up 2,200 cards in one day, but we typically process about 1,000 a day for customers. And so it's a constant process of shipments coming in, getting checked in, getting pre-screened, getting broken down by category, you know, whether it's you know, vintage, modern, ultra-modern, and then ex ex expedited ones and so forth. And then you know, getting them sent out. We ship out the PSA multiple times per week. They don't sit here. Okay, so we are gonna do another video in a week where we are gonna talk about exactly what happens once your cards are submitted and what that, what that process looks like and what, you, what steps are going through there that you need to know about. Don't forget to get the free Sports Card Investor app in the App Store so you can check out the prices of cards. And if you're real serious about submitting a lot of cards and, and uh, understanding the value of your collection, then you're gonna want Market Movers. And you can find out all about Market Movers by going to sportscardinvestor.com and clicking on Market Movers in the main menu bar. Joe, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for this. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we will be back in a week with Joe again for the next part of our series on PSA grading. Thank you.